0: This is the EWN Podcast Network.
1: You are listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. My guest today is Hyla Jane Esters, who has a really touching story. And I'd love to tell you that the subject we're going to have today isn't relevant to today, but I think it really is. Hila, thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you, Helen. Thank you for inviting me.
1: So let's just start out. So you were born in Missouri?
2: Yes, St. Joseph, Missouri.
1: St. Joseph, Missouri. Okay, so tell me your story, uh, what brought you your gift, because uh, it's quite an interesting journey.
2: Well, when I was three years old, um, I was sitting in church, and we I grew up in the Methodist church. And you can imagine at three years old, how boring it was for me. I enjoyed going outside to play. So I had to sit still. It wasn't, I wasn't in a family where they let the kids run all over the church like they do now. You had to sit still for an hour and a half every Sunday morning. And it was very difficult for me So with my mother making me sit still and my brothers and my sister, I listened to what the man up front was saying, which I found out later he was the pastor. So he would talk about God. And in a Methodist church, they have stained glass windows. So to entertain myself, I looked around at the windows. I found Jesus. I found Mary. Of course, Jesus is on the cross in one window. And in another window, his mother's holding him as a baby. I said, oh, well, okay. I saw the disciples, the lambs, but I couldn't find God. So for me, that was an interesting problem that had to be solved. And since I was a curious child, uh, at home, I decided to ask my mother, where's God? But it took a while because my mother had four children under four years old. My brother and sister were a set of twins. My oldest brother was three years older than me. And then here I come along. So when I was three, he was five. The twins were four. And so, of course, my mother was very busy. So it took a while for me to decide to go in and ask her. But the desire for me to know where God was became more uh, important and just grew until I just had to ask her. So... She was in the uh, dining room folding clothes, and I was supposed to sit still, watch TV, watch cartoons, right, not to bother her. So I was really going against her wishes to even approach her, but I had to. So I walked in the dining room and I said, "Mama, can I ask you a question?" And she said, "Yes." And I said, "Mama, the the man at church keeps talking about God, but I can't find him in the windows." Where is God? And she said, God is invisible. He's in heaven. And you can talk to him anytime you want. Well, that excited me. You know, first of all, that she would even answer me without sending me back to go sit down. And I figured God wasn't in the house because he was too big. And so I asked her if I could go outside. And to my amazement, she said, yes. So I went out in the yard and I found a place to sit. I looked up at the sky and I thought, well, what do you say to God? Now the thought never entered my head that he wouldn't speak to me because this is just something I had to know. And so I thought, well, the people at church say hello. So I looked up at the sky and I said, hello, God, how are you? And this voice surrounded me. And it said, the flowers are beautiful today, aren't they? I jumped, I turned around, I looked behind me. I thought somebody had walked up behind me. It was talking to me. Nobody was there. So I turned back around, I put my head down. I said, oh my goodness, God is talking to me. And it became my secret. It changed, you could say, it it guided my life. That moment right there changed my life guided my life. I lived a whole lifetime before I turned five years old. From that moment on, I knew about people. I could tell people were lying. I could see on their faces um, what they were thinking, really. Um, there were times when a person's face would turn gray, and I didn't know what that meant, but three days later, the phone would ring at home, and and that person had passed away. Um, I I could feel things on people, all kinds of things.
1: Do you think, I mean, at three, I mean, three is such a magical age, and it's so curious. And I think, I've had a similar experience, not when I was three, but when a three-year-old is that you're open. You're open when you're three. You're, you don't have those preconceived notions of anything yet that life throws up, as you're going to be talking about later. But I think you were so open to seeing God that it really did happen for you. It was a gift, wasn't it?
2: When yes, you told it, your
1: mom that, was she? What did, it, what did it do to your mom when you told her?
2: She was kind of matter of fact about it, <laughs> as far as I could tell. I mean, when I thought about it, Uh, years later she must have been sitting there in the dining room window just watching me she must have known that God spoke to me because as I found out years later she talked to God and uh, she was healed of cancer when she was 26 stomach cancer she was healed of spinal meningitis wow
1: so she passed that on to you
2: Yeah, my brother was in an accident, and she she had moved to Des Moines, Iowa, and she woke up in the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit said, your son's been in an accident, and she asked, is he alive, and he's, he said yes, and so she sat there and waited until the phone rang, two o'clock in the morning, it was my oldest brother, and um, somebody had given him a Mickey, drove off a cliff, broke his neck, it was, but he Thank he was, he was healed, he's fine, because we believe in healing, and so... She she just knew things about us. You know, you know how, how they say mothers have eyes in the back of their head. Well, yep. she, she <laughs> did. She she knew what we were thinking. This is for what you're thinking, you know, and we yeah. get punished for what we're thinking to do. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's there's no use of you telling her you weren't thinking yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Talk about being able to see the look on someone's face and what they've done and uh, what they've managed to put themselves into for sure. Okay, so yeah, I love that. So then you move forward, and so you're going through life. As a, did you have a good childhood, whatever that means?
2: Yeah. Um, Before I started school, I did. I would play with you know at that time when that happened. My my two brothers and sister they were in school, and uh, I was at home for a year by myself because it wasn't time for me to go to kindergarten. They didn't have preschool back then. And so when it was time for me to go to kindergarten, it was uh desegregation and the, the black school, they told them, of course they called us Negroes. Then they told them to close the kindergarten class because I was the only one in the area in that district that would be five years old. I was the only one my age. And so they closed that class and I was to go to the white school. But when my mother called to register me, they didn't want me. they said uh, I couldn't come there. And she said, what am I supposed to do? I'm sitting there listening to her talking on the phone. And she said, what am I supposed to do? And they said, call the school district. So she called the school district and they told her that I had to go to the black school across town. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, how is she supposed to get there? We only had one car and my father used the car to go to work. And they said, I don't know, but it's against the law for her not to go to school.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but they wanted you to go across town how?
2: Across town. And my mother at the time, someone asked me years later, you know, why didn't she ride the bus with you every day? And And I because I rode the bus alone. She went with me two times and showed me where to catch the city bus ride it across town, where to get off, walk up this big hill to go to school. And then after school, I walked down the hill and she said, you have to catch the bus on the opposite side of the street. So she showed me where to catch it and then where to get off. And then I walked three blocks home. So she rode with me two times. She talked to the bus driver and the bus driver said that I would need a note every day and I could sit behind him. He would watch me. So years later, someone asked me, well, why didn't she ride with you every day, you know? And, well, my brother, my younger brother was born September 19th. She was nine months pregnant. (laughs) That's why she couldn't do it. Yeah. So that when it was time for me to go to school that morning, she put my coat on me. It's September. And, you know, my little hat and gloves. And she said, "Hila Jane, can you do it? And I looked at her and I said, yes, Mama, I can do it. And she sent me out the back door. Now, you know, she had to have been praying for me. And by then I had my relationship with God and I never thought anybody would bother me. I never saw another adult walking those three blocks. Only one time at the bus stop, there was a couple, they a white couple. They looked at me and then turned their heads and looked the other way. I would get up on the bus and sit behind the driver and he knew my stop. And so he would wait there. I'd get off the bus. It was a busy street. So he would wait until I crossed the street. My mother taught me to look both ways, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'd walk up the big hill and go to school. And then at 12 o'clock, because it was half day, I'd ride the bus back home. And I did that for a year. It was like the postman. I did it through the the rain, the snow, (laughs) tramping (laughs) through the snow.
1: Well, you know, (laughs) I think the the beauty in that story is that I mean, nowadays you would never even entertain A, leaving your four-year-old at home and B, letting her ride across the city. So, I mean, those were also gifts. I mean, we, you know, as kids, we're in that generation where, yeah, we were at home and we made our own way. I used to bike, you know, five miles down to the beach when I was seven. I mean, none of that stuff really even, and I think what the beauty of it is, is that, we didn't even know we were supposed to be not safe you know what i mean like it just right. yeah yeah it was kind you of you didn't a, think about it no and so i have to ask you a question when did you become aware so you're at that bus stop with the the white couple and they just look and turn their back which it's like oh my god but that's today because we have that awareness were you aware of any of this of this segregation uh, at four, did you not? Oh, yeah,
2: because I heard them say they didn't want me. You know, Uh-oh. that was my first uh, rejection.
1: And how that, they, do you remember if there, was there an awareness then? It was like, what, what? You know, am well, I-, I
2: watched tears roll down my mother's eyes. You know, she cried. Yeah. She said, what am I supposed to do? She was flustered. And I didn't like that. That's my mother. You yeah, know, I love course. my mother.
1: Yeah. And
2: so it hurt me. Yeah. And... um But I knew this was important. It was important to my mother.
1: Yeah.
2: I knew I had to do it. I had to write that up to please her. Pleasing her was more important than the other people not wanting me. And I've always been a strong person. And I was a a strong-willed child, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) and that's a gift, also a gift, because that's what, you know, that's what's carried you through your life, right?
2: Right. Exactly. So tell me me.
1: about in the school. I love this part because we talked about it before. But when you were in the the other school, were there a mix of black and white kids or
2: all black? My my age.
1: You were the only black
2: child? Yes. The only black child my age. The the others were either younger than me or older. And the older the older kids, they were still in the black school. They didn't come over to uh, Washington grade school until like third grade. Okay. It took a couple of years for them to come over. So I was in that school for uh, like three years by myself.
1: Now, did you feel anything there, Hila? Was it like, uh, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. They called me the names. <laughs> yeah. When
2: uh, my mother, when she uh, called to put me in first grade, you know, of course, I was four. My I mean, I was five. My birthday's in October, and so um, we had to meet with the principal. School had already started. We met with the principal at nine o'clock. I remember walking up the big steps, and the principal told her that they were going to abide by the law, and if if she if if I had any problems, I was to let her know, and uh, you know, my mother would write a note, and she would take care of it. So the principal, my mother and I, she took us to the first grade and opened the door. We were standing there in the door and I looked at those kids. They were all white. I looked at the kids and I the first thought was, if you can do this, I can do it. And of course, there was there were problems. You know, they called me the, the N-word, the the names and, and all of that. And I just met them one at a time after school and socked him. <laughs> one boy had chased him. I chased him all the way home. And I ran, he ran up the front steps through his door. I ran up his front steps through his door, through the house, chased him out in the backyard and knocked him down. Then I thought his mother came out, what is this? You know, and I thought I should go around the side. And then I thought, what if the gate's locked? So I just marched back up the steps, went through the house, out the front door and ran all the way home.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. You can see that in a movie. That's adorable. Yeah. Are there any, but I mean, it sounds cute. I mean, I, I don't mean to diminish the experience. I mean, but that shows that spirit that you have, right? Yeah. Um, did that mother go to your mom or they just didn't say anything?
2: No, she didn't know my mother. They lived on the other side of, yeah. of it. Like we got out of school. We went in one direction. The white kids went in the other.
1: Yeah, she, and were you friends?
2: I never heard anything friend. about it.
1: Yeah. Were you friends with this lad after? Did you become Oh yeah,
2: friend? we all became friends in about yeah. three, four months. And the ones that yeah. didn't want to talk to me, they didn't. And yeah. I didn't talk to them. But yeah. most of the kids, we got along fine. Yeah. And we were together from first grade to eighth grade.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? and then that's where the power of that of that story comes in. That we could well learn in two thousand and twenty one, couldn't we? And we don't. Yeah, yeah, not all of us. I mean,
2: we're, I we're just people, you know. Yeah,
1: that's right. So I agree with you. I, I never, I never. You know, I remember uh, we had we had um, a black family that lived in uh, town when my son was growing up. And I mean, he was, they were all friends. I mean, it didn't, I, nobody even entertained the thought of it being anything else, right? It was just kids mm-hmm. playing and whatever. But I don't think I ever, ever thought that my son made that distinction. You know what I mean? Like if he was going to point out um, the black kid, he was going to point out the kid that had the blue shirt on, not because of, his right. color, you know, I mean, that, that in itself is so innocent when you see that, right? You'd love to think that it yeah. was that easy now, but unfortunately- so um, we'll get that um, to that later. But um, so then you go through school; you're quite well educated. Ayla. tell us about that.
2: Well, to tell you the truth, I had my relationship with God. I, God is in heaven. God is—he's all powerful. He knows everything. He's present everywhere. So when if I had a question about math or uh, history, anything. I said, well, God, you know everything. So how how do you do this? Or what's the answer? Or teach me this. Uh, the way the way the teacher's teaching it, I, it's she's going too fast. She's not explaining it right. So I would ask I would ask the Holy Spirit. Back then I said, God, but as I got older, I know the Holy Spirit's here in the earth. So I talked to him. But uh, I would ask him to explain it to me so I could get it. So he would. And um everybody thought I was just so intelligent, but, and, and I'm smart, okay. But I was taught by God. He taught me all kinds of things. All I had to do was ask Him. And because I had that experience at three years old of, of uh, asking Him, How are you? And He answered me, it never entered my mind that I couldn't have a conversation with Him anytime. And I think that's what people do. They block it, they block the answer because they think God doesn't want to talk to them. But it's just like you and I talking. Yeah. He, he does answer you. And so yeah. I would ask him different things.
1: Well, one of the things that it strikes me is, you know, the cornerstone of all groups, of AA, NA, all, all of these, these uh, groups to help people overcome their challenges. One of the first things is to give your, and you know, some people are uncomfortable with the word God, but you know, it's like your higher power or whatever it is, is if you give, if you're you're facing a situation where you're not sure what the answer is, which way to turn, am I doing the right thing? You know, all of that. If you just give it over to your higher power, your God, whatever that is for you, it always comes back to you with the right answer. And I, you Mm -hmm. know, it's a powerful place to be I think people get confused when you when you use that word god it's like oh my god you yeah, know really you know all of that you know stereotypical religious stuff right but it's also very true is that when you you give it over to mother earth or whatever it is the answer always comes to you doesn't it without fail
2: yes and you know i i hear people use all their different terms and you know whatever term it is it's spiritual and I grew up that way. I, I don't consider myself religious because that puts you in a box. And believe me, I've had my problems in the different churches, different religions. I tried to find God there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It was rather difficult. Uh, but um, I believe in God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And I also believe that we are made in his image. Therefore, people talk about our higher selves. Well, of course, When you step into heaven, you're perfect. And that is your higher self. Mm -hmm. We're attaining to who we are already. We're not trying to get anywhere. We receive who we are. And so then when we ask a question, it's about receiving. And if you just relax and receive, the answer is there. Whether you say it's heart-centered or whatever people want to say. The answer is there because all answers, all thoughts are there for you to receive. And the the only question is, is it good or bad? And yeah. if you ask with your intentions of good, you're going to get good.
1: Yeah, so and it's I think really you. We, yeah, it's right. And I think that there are times when we have an experience with another person, with a situation, you know, illness, all of that. We really struggle with, you know, here, here quite often is like, you know, especially, you know, when a young child dies, it's like, well, why would God do that? And it's like, but that's not, you're missing the point. It's not like he's sitting up there, he or she or whatever is sitting up there with a big leather bound book with a long white beard saying, well, today I'm going to look at Hyla Jane and mess her life up. That's not what it's about, right? No. Yeah, and I think no. that's where it confuses people as well, right? I think we're always trying to find meaning in any of our experiences.
2: Well, the thing is, is, you know, I had the same question. My sister was nine years old. She died of leukemia. It was so quick, she never lost her hair. I mean, it was just a couple of months. And the thing was is, I never blame God for anything because my relationship with God, that's not him. And so sickness, I believe the reason that she passed away is that we didn't know enough. And that's how I approached it. God, When I say God is all powerful, there is a healing power that is flowing all the time, just like his answers and thoughts are flowing to us all the time. It's about receiving if we and it's about how we think if we think that someone cannot be healed of cancer, then that's how you think Mm -hmm. if they think they can't be healed, if they get into fear and think I'm going to die. Well, they're going to die. But a child, if their parents think that, then that's what they get. You reap what you sow. You see, spiritually Mm -hmm. you reap what you sow. If you sow healing, you'll get healing. If you believe in a miracle, you'll get a miracle. But if you believe in the doctor or you believe in, in the, the, uh, the count, so many people have died, so you're going to get it and die. Well, that's what you're going to get. But if you fight, it's yeah. about not settling. You have to fight, see? And you, you, if you just rah, a sarah and accept whatever comes your way, that's what you're going to get.
1: Yeah, and I, think, if I think that's, and you know, and to your point to that too, is there are a lot of people that pray for, uh, to get better. They pray for whatever it is they want for their their life. And if it doesn't work out, I mean, that isn't a God thing. That's a human thing. And the other thing is also in our worst experiences, if we're paying attention, those were teaching moments. And whether whoever that comes from for someone, right? But you all, rarely hear, you know, I, I can't say that about, you know, death of a child. I mean, that's just really sad, but you don't know what that moment was for that person to give to other people to teach about the value of life or life is precious. You know what I mean? Like all of those mm-hmm. things, right? Instead of going to the spot where you become the victim, right?
2: Right. And the thing is, it's... Is, I guess my point was that people, if something happens and people think there's no solution, they give in to it. Yes. And there's always there's always a solution.
1: Yeah.
2: There's always a way out, and so, we have to expand our thinking to know there's a way out and pull that in.
1: hmm well, because, because God so, doesn't
2: kill kids.
1: Yeah. Of course <laughs> not. Of course not. I agree. And I think that's the that shows when that happens when you're blaming. I mean, we look for blame as human beings. That's what we do. We're we're looking for meaning making, I guess. And if I know in a case here in town, there was a young lad that uh, that died, and it was very sad. The entire town was behind this family, and he he didn't make it. But what he brought to his his class. Was this intent? I mean, even when they graduated years later, he was part of that graduating class, even though he had passed on. But the gift he gave to those kids, I think that they, they felt love for another young, they, they felt that helplessness when he passed on, but they really feel, still feel that love that he brought all of them in. You know what I mean? So that was kind of the sense making. Yeah, it doesn't, I remember saying, well, maybe, Maybe he was given that journey because, and oh my gosh, I got just nailed against the wall for saying something like that. So when you are, you know, so rock solid in in your beliefs like that, did it ever come up against you where people kind of used it against you or just kind of rolled their eyes or whatever? Like you have to have a certain amount of strength to stand in that, that deep faith and that truth. You know what I'm trying to say?
2: Yeah, you do. I, I've I've come up against it my entire life. Believe me, I it's 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 constant. It, and I don't care what arena what arena I'm in. I can be at church, at work, <laughs> you know, in, at dinner with with uh, people. It doesn't matter. It's it uh, it's the same thing all the time. Because, like I had a, my job. I graduated from college six months early. I was searching for a job. Well, even though I was a college graduate, I was hired at uh, Pacific Bell as a clerk. <laughs> and a lot of people would say, well, that's the only job available. And, and this one woman, she was a clerk for 20 years. How? There's no way I would sit there and be a clerk for 20 years. And my thing was, I have to, to move up. And back then, it was up to your supervisor before they instituted where uh, they gave you classes and you could kind of move up yourself. Well, I ended up in a job that was, quote, a man's job, running jumper wire, climb, climbing ladders, um, you know, telephone wire type thing. Then I went to a communication technician, and this is all God helping me pass tests and uh, different things I had to do. And uh, I was changing circuit packs and I cut over analog offices to digital offices when the cell phone came in. And so, of course, the men gave the women, there were just a few of us a hard time because they didn't want us there where I could care less if they wanted me there, just like I could care less if the first graders wanted me there, you know, (laughs) and it didn't matter to me. I, I had had too much experience by then. And I, you know, I'm in I'm in my 20s, right? And so uh, I was in that job for, for uh, I retired uh, after 32 years. And I was in that particular job for 23 years. And it was guff the whole time. Well, did I care? No, because my mother always taught us, you know, don't let anyone take money out of your pocket or food off of your table. And so I earned my paycheck. They didn't. So as far as God is concerned, uh, I was in this one central office, uh, C Street, downtown San Diego. And in that central office, there were three different types of machines. There was the old um, step-by-step. There was the original ESS electronic switching system. And then there was the new 5E, the, the digital. So in that office, you had to learn how to work on all three Machine, So no one wanted to go there because the other offices only had one type of machine. So if you wanted to get out of C Street, someone had to come and replace you. So this guy, he's, I told him, I said, I'm ready to go up in the central office, you know, because I always, you know, I would do a job for a while. I'd get bored because I like to learn things, new things. And I wanted to go in and and uh, learn translations in the central office. And he said, you'll never get out of here because nobody wants to come here. And I looked at him, I said, it's just as easy for me to get out of here as it, as it is for me to stay here. And he looked at me and was, yeah, right. So I went back in the equipment and I, I prayed and I, I asked God, I said, God, I wanna go up to the central office. And uh, I just thank you for making a way for me to get there because you don't pray for things you already have. You have to believe you have something. And so you don't have to pray because he's given us all things. So you don't pray for anything, you receive it. And so within two weeks, I got a phone call from the supervisor up in the central office. And she said, we need someone to come up and do testing. Would you like to come up and do testing? I said, yes. I went to the, cent- to the main uh, office to do testing. I never went back to C Street. And when I walked in, the Holy Spirit said, you'll be here until you retire. I said, okay and I was in translations until I retired.
1: So, I mean, that's incredible. And the word that I always think whenever I talk to you is strength. I mean, you have that strength. There's not a not a ton of people, Hyla, that have that strength to be uh, so steadfast in their belief that whatever's going to come to you will come to you because it's supposed to. And if you want it, you can ask for it and you can get it. And I mean, you you kind of make it sound like it's really easy to do. it. I know people tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Believe like, me, it's not so easy. It, it, it is not so <laughs> you easy. We got to work on uh, it. And that's right. That's right. I just had a recent experience. So um I had to move into town when I got divorced because we had to sell our house. And I always wanted to be back in the little place where the little hamlet where I love it's my favorite place. It's my favorite place ever. And so I always asked for it to come back, to come back. But it wasn't lost on me that I had to work my way back. And it just happened to me in December of of 2020. And I got I got my dream. So it's like, so don't tell me you can't have what you want, because you can, but you have to work for it. It's not free. And I think that's the right. other thing that people you got to have that strength to know that you're moving forward. You got to keep your eye on the ball and all of that, and you have to be realistic about it as well. So, yeah, I, I love that about you. You just have this really lovely, quiet strength. Let's add on to that. You've worked your way up. You had a good career. Where do you have? Are you married? Do you have kids, Hyla?
2: Yes. Uh, oh. I'm going to tell you, my I, I've I failed a few times before. I gave well, up and okay, let God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Before I gave up and I said, "Okay, God, if you pick the guy, he's got to be right." And so he did. It's a whole miracle story which we don't have time to go into today, but I'm telling you, um Martin is a great guy. We've been married now 16 years. Wow. And uh I have two daughters previous marriage. They're they're older. <laughs> Hopefully you can't
1: tell how old I am yeah, I was by looking. Say, at No, I can't. I can't. I, what I don't. I'm guessing. You know, 45, 50. <laughs> but, oh my gosh! Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. But the th- I have four grandkids. Oh my gosh! See, and isn't that the yeah. best gift? Uh, isn't that the best gift in the world? I've got two, and uh, yeah, you know, that is the gold. That is the gift. That is the candy for sure. And you're right. I mean, we all have had those moments where, and when you're talking earlier about giving into oh my God, well, I guess if they tell me I'm going to stay here and I can never get out, I guess I never will. And I mean, I think that that applies across the board to your personal life too. It's like, okay, well, if you want to stay in this crappy relationship where you you don't feel good and you're not listening to God or your intuition or whatever it is, then that's exactly, you're going to bring that to yourself. And I mean, to your point exactly. Um, That's right. Yeah. And I'm happy that. Now, tell me, are your daughters um, well? Are they well and successful? Do they get some of Mama Bear's strength?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're totally different. Um, one's a, a writer, speaker. I'm trying to get her out there more. She's, um, she's the, the closet speaker, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, very. She was a reader. The kids used to throw dirt on her books because they wanted her to come and play and she would rather read. My other daughter's a perfectionist. She's, you know, she, everything has its place. Everything in its place, everything has its place, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. very uh, intelligent. They both have two, two children. Right. Um, actually the oldest one's 23. <laughs> My grand- oldest grandchild 23.
1: <laughs> what? Oh yeah. yeah. See, I don't even believe that. I'm telling you right now, anyone who's listening to this podcast is now going to the show notes and looking at your picture going, what? <laughs> <laughs> so you've had this lovely, you know, the strength in this journey. It's carried you through. So you've had this great career. You found, you know, the one for you, your kids are doing well. Let's add on to the other thing where you have written a number of books that are just so powerful the one that sticks out for me is your book the miraculous realm of heaven on earth you know one of the things that you stay that that you stayed in this book is that you know throughout your life no matter what happened you always have that that deep rooted faith that it was all going to just work for you that's incredible strength highlight Yeah, Yeah. my
2: mother, our mother told us all, all the time. She said, no matter what happens, trust God. And that carried me through my life, the good times, the bad times, uh, because I knew that God would give me the answer. God would work it out. And it just, you know, lack or somebody treating me bad or whatever. I never retaliated. Because I knew God would get them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One guy burned up his Mercedes. I never touched the car. Oh darned! I mean, you just—I—I <laughs> I never did anybody bad or wrong. It's not that I was never upset, but I did not retaliate yeah. because I'm God's child and He takes yeah. care of me.
1: And they're and you know, in a in a way, those those experiences, He's taking care of them too. That's their journey. They, if they're not paying attention, right? Is that? And that's a very, very strong place to, to be in where you don't retaliate because it is easy to retaliate. It's mm-hmm. even more difficult not to retaliate. Not to. Exactly. Um, so what I'll do is when, when we do the show notes, I'm going to list all the books. You have a book, Daddy's Little Girl. How many books do you have?
2: I have, I have three, Daddy's Little Girl. I have uh, Your Daddy's So Big. All of these were giving, given through either a dream or open vision from wow. God, where the words are just out in the room in front of me there. Yeah. And then he would download exactly what, how he wanted the book structured and what he wanted, wanted in it. Mm-hmm. The miraculous realm of heaven on earth. I woke up and there was a puppet standing there looking at me. Now I'm not asleep, I'm awake. And this oh. puppet is standing there in front of me. His head is down, he's dirty, he's despondent. Then he lifts his head and he looks directly at me and very sad. Then his eyes get really big, like, like round, he, because he became aware of something. Okay. Then they narrowed down because he was determined. He was upset. Okay. All of a sudden, he reached up with these big scissors and he cut the strings over his head and he stood tall. Then he disappeared. When he disappeared, the words, the miraculous realm of heaven on earth appeared in the room out in front of me. And I knew it was a book. So I asked God what it was, and he taught it to me for a whole year. And then it took nine months to write it. It came out last June. Mm -hmm. Very powerful
1: book. Wow, that gives me um, goosebumps when you're talking about that. It's like, oh, my gosh. And I mean, I am, you know, for sure. So I'm going to tell you my experience with God is when I was 25, I found myself with child. I was not married and I was, um, I mean, I have a whole backstory to, you know, a different different kind of trauma than, you know, what you've dealt with, but still trauma nonetheless. And I remember lying on the table. I, was, I went in to have an abortion and um, I was laying on the table, Hila, and the room filled with a voice and said, do not do this. So I actually got off that table and I went home and I am so grateful. And I celebrate that little man's life. He's 33 now. And I, you know, I, I am so grateful that he spoke to me that day. So yeah, that is my, that is my experience with God for sure. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, I mean, I'm just so grateful (laughs) that I didn't do it. I, you know, so we need to, I don't know if we need to talk to this, but I feel like we do because you have such a quiet strength about you is let's talk about this whole fricking racism BS You know, we were talking earlier before we recorded, you know, I live in an area of Canada where I believe there's not a lot of racism, but I think there is when we were talking about our Indigenous communities. And I just, you know, I got to say, I don't know how, how we're still having this stupid conversation about who cares. But, you know, we were talking about the Black Lives Matter and there were a lot of people that got their back up and saying, all lives matter. Yes, of course, all lives matter. But you and I have never walked down the street, ever, and had to worry about, A, because I was a woman, B, because of the color of my skin. Can you speak to that? It, it's still real, isn't it?
2: Yes. You know, and the thing is, is if you look back through the years, when, say, the, the, the government, the presidents, or the committees... All they've ever done was say, we'll discuss it. And each time, each time there's a protest, they'll come together. Well, let's discuss it. But nothing was done. Nothing was changed. And it's just like first grade. Those kids, racism has to be taught. What, what did they know about it? You put two little kids together and they play. They're not yeah. thinking about what, what color they are. They're yeah. playing. And so it's been passed on through the years. The same thing we're dealing with today, we were dealing with in the 60s, we were dealing with it when when uh, desegregation, she can't come here, she's black. <laughs> you know, my goodness. And yeah. so nowadays it's like, of course, all lives matter, but that's not the point. I have this friend, she's white, She's she's older, much older than I am. And she thought race, there was no such thing as racism anymore. And I said, are you crazy? You know, yeah, of course there is. I, I deal with it all the time. And so my example to her was uh, when you walk into a restaurant, do you look around to see who's there or do you just go and sit down? And she said, I just go and sit down. I said, well, when I walk into a restaurant, I scan the room. And if they want me, if they sit me beside someone, I, I look to see who it is or I feel them or I watch their expression. I said, you wouldn't even think to do that. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, is that when people protest, it's because we're tired. Yeah. You know, of course. slavery ended how long ago? And it only changed forms. Why am I a college graduate hired as a clerk? When th- there are are jobs that are there that I should
1: well, also not only yes. that because you're a woman as well, that added on to it. That was a yeah. yeah,
2: black, a woman. Yeah. you know, I'll, I don't as they say take take any mess. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in a nice way, in yeah. a nice way. Yeah, that's you know my beautiful mother. Us, my mother always told us, "Don't start trouble, just finish it." You know, don't don't sit up there and get hit and don't do anything. And so the racism nowadays, a lot of it when I was coming along was in your face. Now, a lot of times it's it's behind your back. It's it's hidden. Like in California, it's hidden, but it's there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in Texas now. People just don't talk to you. If the ones that want to, they do kind of like first grade they do. The ones that don't, they act like you're invisible. Yeah, that's
1: the part where it's so foreign to me because I just would never, I wouldn't even think to, I wasn't raised a racist. I mean, I didn't raise my, my son to be a racist. And so for me, it's like, uh sure, I, I don't see it. But that in itself is dismissive too, isn't it? Because that's when you become part of the problem is when you think, well, you know, I try really hard to be aware of all of these things, even though it's not so rampant in the area that I live in. I'm not saying it's not in Canada because I know it is. But if you don't advocate advocate for someone in a, in a situation, you are part of the problem. That's where they're talking about white privilege, right?
2: Right. Because, uh, you know, it's, the thought doesn't come. See, it's, it's about how you think. The yeah. thought does not come if you're white, the thought does not come to you that you can't say something or do something or challenge the police because, you know, they're not going to do anything. They're OK. OK. Like storming the Capitol. Did you see any black people storming the Capitol? Yeah.
1: No, I didn't. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting you say that because it was noted on several broad news broadcasts that had that been blacks Storming the oh, Capitol, there would have been bloodshed, big time. Absolutely.
2: Dogs, hoses, helicopters, yeah, all kind sure. of police. Come for
1: on. For sure, for sure. You know, I I don't feel that you want to take on that that cause. I mean, you you've done your your life well. Are you going to be the one, you know, the Rosa Parks kind of, so to speak, of twenty twenty one? That's going to like, where's the switch for us to to get it? You know what I mean?
2: Well, hey, I was the Rosa Parks at, yeah, at four grade, years old, sitting grade behind four, the driver. Grade
1: one, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. And but then the funny I mean. thing
2: about it, the <laughs> funny right. thing about it, my main my main name is White W H Y T E. I know that and in is- first grade they sat us in alphabetical order,
1: so I had oh, my to my sit in the back of the room. But anyway. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But well, you know, I
2: I don't uh my mother didn't raise us to be uh racist. We she oh. said everybody's the same, just yeah. different colors. Yeah. There's good people and bad people in yes. every race. Absolutely. And so that's how that's how I've always looked at it. I've always been around white people. I've never really been around. Every time I try to go around uh black people, it's like it's like I don't know. I I try to relate and even my kids tell me, come and watch this black movie so you'll learn something. <laughs> no, but that speaks to I don't it.
1: think <laughs> about it. Yeah, exactly. And and as you shouldn't. And I wish we could all be like that. But that speaks to that too. <laughs> and I've heard it, you know, where if it's exactly what you just said, it's like, well, actually I I probably should hang around more, uh, so I understand it more. But then if you don't, then you're accused of not, uh, of being white, even though you're black. Yeah. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Exactly. It's it ridiculous. Ridiculous. The,
2: the only thing you can do is be you, yeah, you know, that's right. and, if, and if God tells you or, or like your, 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 your intuition tells you to speak to someone or do something, then do it. Yeah. But, but don't do things just because everybody else is doing yeah. it. Well, but it's that don't avoid, don't avoid things either. Because yep. things that are in your face, you have to deal with it, or else it'll be in your face worse later. Yeah,
1: yeah that's right. And I mean, and that's where it's gotten to—is—is is we're not. I mean, it's definitely better, or is it? I don't know. I'd like to think things are better. Well, obviously.
2: I don't think I don't think it's too much better. We we have like the block we live on here. The people straight across the street—they're really nice. I mean, everybody on this block is white except for one family, which we never see because they have a business. The people straight across the street are nice. The people right next door are racist. The husband yeah. is a nice guy. The wife, the kids. We've been here 14, 15 years now. And uh, my grandkids would come by and say, let's play the whites against the blacks. You oh know, they're, they're, great they're not. They've tried to call the police on our kids for turning their water off. When our kids don't even go over there, their own kids were turning their water yeah. off. And yeah. so my daughter went over there and said, do we have a problem? And, the, and okay. since she confronted them, they said, no, we don't have a problem. But they don't speak. We ignore them like they're not there.
1: And so no, the, you, that's, you know, yeah, and that's very much alive. Did. Yeah, like why point? Yeah, it is. I, I agree with you. I mean, why poke the bear? Because you're not going to change someone's views of anything anyway. You really are not, right? That's where the God God thing comes in. It's like, well, he's going to show you exactly how ridiculous you are at some point in your life. And maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they don't need to. But, you know, I mean, one of the best books ever written, and I'm sure you'll agree, is The Help, where it was... So I remember reading it and it was so powerful. And then I remember watching it on the plane. I don't know where I was going. And I was literally sobbing on the plane. Like I, people were probably like, Oh dear. Well, what's wrong with her? <laughs> but it was such a, a beautiful depiction of how utterly ridiculous the whole thing was. I mean, at least, you know, now I, I hope that, I mean, I think it's going to be generations, Hila, before we're all, we're all viewed as, we're just on the same you think you know in a way I think COVID has done that where it's like we're all on this together there is nobody that may or may not survive this you know what I mean like it does COVID doesn't care right and so I mean if you're paying attention to it I suppose I don't know I just think just from your beautiful viewpoint you could write this book but I mean it's not the first one that would be written and really do you want to take that on I mean you've done your your bit you've you've walked across town and you've been the only one on the bus you've done all that it must be exhausting
2: well sometimes it is sometimes it is you have to have thick skin and I'm still growing mine you know it gets to me some sometimes yeah. especially if it affects my grandkids of course but uh, <laughs> if you can imagine oh
1: I can't but imagine <laughs> <laughs> you know they are the candy to parenthood and man we we are different people with our grandchildren than we were with yeah. our children but man, you mess with mama bear and she's a grandma. Oh boy, you are in trouble.
2: Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. I've yeah. been to
2: the school many times. <laughs> I
1: don't doubt it. And so, but, but
2: even, even with, even with that going in there, you know, people, people think, people think just because you're black, you're going to come in hollering and screaming and kicking yeah. over a table. Yeah. They don't, they don't think <laughs> that you have any sense. And yeah. I can be hotter than a, a poker coming out of a fireplace And talk to you very, very plain and calm.
1: Yeah. And that's the. You can
2: tell by the way I'm talking to you that I mean every word I say. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) And things get turned around. Yeah. But if you go in there hollering and screaming, then it's just going to make it worse. And well, exactly. No sense.
1: Yeah. Talk about poking the bear. And I mean, and that is a thing and, and that's a lesson to do with just being human in general. If you're going to go in, um, I, you know, I, I did a podcast with a guy out of Australia who's fascinating to me. And that's what he does. He works with the police forces and stuff. And he talks about red brain and blue brain. And if you got two people in red brain. Nothing is going to be good that comes out of that. So if you are the one that's got the blue brain, you're probably going to prevail because the other one's just out of control. I mean, that's just a that's a human thing it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with any other thing. But Hi, La, thank you so much for joining me today. Like, I, I find you uh, utterly fascinating. I do. I love that strength about you. I love your story. I hope you have another book in the works. And, uh, you know, honestly, you could almost do a screenplay. <laughs> And I
2: You know, I would love to. Daddy's little girl, that would be. Oh, my goodness. Oh,
1: it would be. So go for it. What? <laughs> you told I've about. thought about it. Yeah, I think you should do it. I think you should do it. Thank you for joining me today, Hila. It's been a really lovely chat with you.
2: Thank you. I've enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it was fun. I can't wait. This COVID thing's over and we can meet. Anyway. I know. Yeah, <laughs> It would be great. <laughs> it would be awesome. Thanks. You have been listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose, and that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. To learn more about Helen's journaling retreats, speaking engagements, and life coaching, or to sign up for her newsletter, please visit HelenRose.ca.
0: Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.